in your worship folder is an outline for you to follow along. And I, I trust this church more than I've trusted any church in my entire life. The, the discussion questions for the small groups are on the back, and you are not allowed to read them during this service. When we're done, you can pull it out and read it. That's okay, but not right now. So here we go. This is, this is two, episode two of Friending, and this is the, the one with that one friend. Now, I don't know what you think. Some of you saw that. We, we put that up on social media, you know, that we talked about last week, but we put that up. I don't know what you thought about that, but I have a feeling that many of us, probably most of us, have that one friend. In fact, I think many of us were that one friend, you know, the one who was, I was, this was literally what my parents called me. You're an instigator. (laughs) I didn't get in trouble. My job was to get everybody else in trouble. And there was never any evidence for me. I should have been in politics. It probably would have worked well. But many of you have that instigator person, you know, the one who's prompting seldom ended well. Sometimes it was minor, sometimes it was a big deal, but it didn't end well. Yeah, how many here had that one friend? You know, only a few hands went up. That means the rest of you are that one friend. We talked about that last week. Um, that's actually very much like quite a few of the episodes of Friends, if you've seen Friends. There's always somebody getting somebody else in trouble in those. Here's how we put it last week. This is going to be kind of a theme running through this series. Here's the first thing if you're taking notes. Your connections are contagious. We often don't think about it. We have our friends. We have the people we associate with. We don't always think about it. But our connections are contagious. Think about it like this. If you go into a room and somebody has said something or done something funny and there's people laughing. Laughing is contagious, right? You could even say um, connections are contagious like laughter. It sounds like a proverb, you know? Connections are contagious like laughter. You know what else is contagious? The flu is contagious. And so we have to be careful with that because here's how the real Proverbs say it. In Proverbs 13, 20, become wise by walking with the wise. That means your connections, you have to have those connections that are wise, that are doing the right things, that are pushing you in the right directions. Become wise by walking with the wise. Hang out with fools and watch your life fall to pieces. Now, that does not mean that we can never have people in our lives who are not perfect and wise and everything. In fact, um, I was reminded this week by my mentor, we always have to be making connections with people who aren't there yet. We have to make connections with people who don't know Jesus yet. We have to make connections with people who need hope because we're the way they're going to find it. So we always have to remember that, but we have to remember that if the majority of our connections are taking us the wrong direction, we're going to go in the wrong direction. Here's some of the feedback I heard from the message last week. Um, I can't tell you how many people came up to me and said, they went like this, I don't answer the phone. I let it go to voicemail and text back because I have control over it. I've had people say this, I'm one of the, I, I check Facebook. I don't even actually post anything. Many of them said, I just check it. Like the first thing when I get up in the morning and the last thing, when I go to bed at night, I'm checking it. One even said, I wake up in the middle of the night to check Facebook. I said, I wake up in the middle of the night too. It's not for that reason. 
It's because I drank too much and I have to get up in the middle of the night. But I never think in the middle of the night of checking Facebook. You know what that person said? I check it all day. I check it when I get up. I check it before I go to bed. I check it in the middle of the night and I feel so alone. They're making connections with hundreds of their friends, but they still feel alone. I, I can't tell you how many people I know that have told me, I have over a thousand friends on social media. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever. But last week when you said, can you list your five close friends? I couldn't list one. And they hadn't thought of it before that point. Sociologists tell us this. They talk about poverty. There's actually three types of poverty. The first one where is one that always comes to our mind. We associate this with poverty. And, and, and that's material poverty. That means we don't have the things that we need in order to get where we need to be. So material poverty, we get that one. The next one is spiritual poverty. It's a little harder to pin down, but it's actually more important than, than material poverty. So there's material, spiritual poverty. The third one is this, relational poverty. If you've never gone on a mission trip, you need to go on a mission trip. I took a group, I took a van full of kids down to Matamoros, Mexico. And we spent a week in this town. And the, we were, went with an organization that, that built, built houses for people. And I thought, well, that's cool. I wonder what we're going to And it's like we built a whole house in a week. And we would alternate with two other groups. You would either be building the house, you would be doing like a sports evangelism kind of thing, hanging out with kids in the neighborhood. They call them colonias in this colonia. Or um, you were going door to door, which we were all scared to death of. It's like, I'm not going door to door. I don't speak Spanish. I'm not, I don't know what to do. Turns out that was everybody's most fun thing anyhow. But we built a house for people. But here's what we did. We spent time with, a, with that family. It was a family, it was a husband and a wife. And um, four kids and one on the way. The house we were building for them was 8 by 12. That was the whole house. And they were so thrilled. You should have seen what they were living in as we were building their house. And here's what happened. About the second or third day, I had this feeling that kind of surprised me. I felt jealous. They had nothing. When the kids wanted to play soccer, they had to decide who got the shoes. And they would go play soccer. And I have never met in my life a happier family. So it had nothing to do with material stuff. It had to do with the fact that they were not in spiritual poverty. They knew Jesus. But the, most, the, the thing that got me the most was they were happy because they had connections. They had family. It wasn't about stuff. It wasn't about things. It was about having the right connections in their life. And it's like, we have family. What more do we need? Everything was good for them. And it was just, it was mind-blowing to us. So when I think of our situation here, I think something is wrong. Something is missing. And what it really boils down to is someone is missing. So here's the key thought for today. Here's what you need to keep in your head today. If you're taking notes, you might be one friend away from changing the course of your destiny. You might be one friend away from changing the course of your destiny. And that could go either direction. We said last week the average American now has two friends, real friends. 
the average American, 25% of the people in America have zero. So when I think of that, I think, well, for each one of you, what do you want to do with your life? What do you want to accomplish? What do you want to become? What do you want to achieve? And I think in, in the Bible, I, I, I think often of the Apostle Paul. Amazing. He wanted to preach. Um, but he had a backstory, like most of us do. His backstory was he spent the first half of his life seeking out and turning in and sometimes killing Christians simply because they believed in Jesus. He was not going to let that pass. He was on the road to Damascus literally to find and arrest Christians. And he met somebody on that road. His name was Jesus. Jesus had already died, buried, resurrected, gone back to heaven, but he appeared to Paul on that road to Damascus. Blinding light, voice from heaven, knocked him down off what he was riding. And it's interesting because the other people there didn't see anything, but they heard the voice. And, it not, and, and he starts talking back to this voice, and he discovers that it's Jesus. And Paul, right there on the ground, the, the light that, that shone had blinded him right there on the ground, he turned his life over to Jesus while he had been on the road to kill people who believed in Jesus. So he continued. They led him now because he couldn't go himself. They led him to Damascus, and he started to preach in Damascus. And you can understand that when he came into town, people thought something different than what he was thinking. There's Paul. We better hide because we know what he was doing yesterday. We pick up the story in Acts chapter 9. He actually had to leave Damascus. He had to escape because there was people that were trying to get him. So he had to leave. And here's where we pick up the story, verse 26 of Acts 9. When, when he, that's Saul, when Saul came to Jerusalem, his name was Saul, it got changed to Paul. He not only had a major life change, God changed his name too and said, you were Saul, now you're Paul. So when Saul came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples. He's a believer now. But they were all afraid of him. Well, obviously, he just got done killing them days ago, not believing that he was really a disciple. But Barnabas. Now, Barnabas is a big character. Barnabas and, and Paul did a lot on missionary journeys and stuff. But I would venture to say that if I ask, how many know details about Barnabas's life? Most of you would say, I don't know if I've ever heard that name before. <laughs> Here's how important this one guy is. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord, that the Lord had spoken to him, and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. Verse 28, So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem because of what Barnabas said, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. Because one guy was willing to do this and say this about him, it changed the course of history. He wrote like more than half of the New Testament. And went all over, there was churches all over that known world in that region around the Mediterranean because of Paul. And who knows what would have happened had Barnabas not stepped up. They might have run him out of Jerusalem just like they ran him out of Damascus. But there was that one person. God brought the right person into his life. And here's the thing. You need the right people in your life. You need to have 
some of the right people in your life. Now, don't just think, because here's what most people do. Most, most people think someone like me. I mean, not me, but you're thinking someone like you. So like if, if you're 18, you're thinking, oh, I need somebody who's like 18 in my life. I need somebody to hang with, somebody to be a close friend, you know? Maybe you're in your 20s, early 30s, and you're thinking, that's what I need. You know, like, like six random people in New York City that have very little in common except stage of life that ended up being a sitcom called Friends. And, and, and when you look at it, their age was what they had in common, but they didn't have much else in common. There's a lot of people here, you're probably in your maybe 40s, 50s, you're married, and you're thinking, yeah, I need to be with someone like me. I need to be with a couple like that, and we can, you know, we can hang out and have a good time. Here's what I've learned. God loves to use different generations to impact people's lives and destiny. He lo- God loves variety. If you don't believe that, just look around. He loves variety. It reminds me of one who changed me. He's be embarrassed, but I won't make him stand. Paul is here today. 20 years ago, I was in my early 40s. That makes me in my early 60s. I won't make you do math this early in the morning. I was in my early 20s. I'm sorry, early 40s, 20 years ago. Felt like my 20s. Um, Paul was in his early 60s. And I was, we started meeting together, and I for life me couldn't figure out why he would be interested in investing time in me, but we met together every Thursday morning, and we have since. We have missed a handful of times because of vacations and sickness and stuff, but very seldom do we miss, and, and it's kind of funny, we meet at um, 7.45, and somebody said, that's a really odd time. Why 7.45? And we said, because we met at Mom's Cafe and the special ended at 8. And we wanted to make sure we got there in time to get the special. And it's just stuck for 20 years. 7.45. I can't tell you how much he has changed my life. Speaking truth into me. Sometimes telling me things I didn't want to hear. Sometimes he didn't even know that he was changing my destiny by the things that he said. So don't just look for someone exactly like you when you're looking for somebody because you you need to remember you might be one friend away from changing the course of your destiny. So here's what we're going to look at today. We're going to look today at three types of friends that every person needs. Sometimes one person might fulfill more, you know, than one role, but you need these three types of friends in your life. Maybe you need a Joey or a, a Phoebe in your life or a Chandler in your life. We're going to be a little bit more biblical today and we're going to focus on King David from the Old Testament. One of my favorite all-time characters is David. Um, And we're going to look at three of his friends, Samuel, Jonathan, and Nathan. Three friends that helped him become who God wanted him to be. And three friends that you need in your life as well. David, um, King David, he wasn't perfect. But he was called a man after God's own heart. And that gives me so much hope to know that somebody who wasn't perfect, who could do something really bad, could still be known as a man after God's own heart. He has this well-known significant failure of adultery and murdering her husband and all this bad stuff. But there are too many successes in his life to count. And so what I want to do is I want to show you some reasons for that, that the right people helped him become the right person. And why you need these three types of people in your life, these three types of friends. Um, The first one is this. His name is Samuel. David's first friend is Samuel. And Samuel is a friend who makes you better. You see, 
at the time, the king at that time was Saul. This is a different Saul than we talked about a second ago. This is Old Testament. This King Saul. And um, it may have started out kind of okay, but did not end up well. Um, God chose Samuel to anoint the next king because he rejected Saul. Because Saul turned from God. Saul, king Saul was doing the wrong things. And so God chose this one guy named Samuel to find and anoint the next king, the one who would succeed Saul, who would rule over Israel. And it's interesting because what Samuel did is Samuel went and started looking. He said, you go to this house, the house of Jesse, and he goes to this house, and there's, there's all these kids. And they're like really tall, good-looking, you know, warrior kind of people. And he's like, he sees us like, whoa, this must be the right one. And God says, nope, that's not the one. Because God doesn't look at what you look at. We look at the outside. God doesn't look at the outside. So Samuel is going through the whole list. And in 1 Samuel 16, it says this. David comes along. He asks us, you got any more sons? And David says, well, there's one, but you know, he's out in the field. And he said, go get him. And when the, when the kid came in, the youngest one always, you know, was the shepherd out in the field, was David, comes in, verse 16, the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Here's what I know. Not a person in David's family would have ever thought that David would be king including David. Nobody would have ever thought that. God put it on one man's heart, Samuel, to go and anoint him and to say to David, God has chosen you. His hand is on you. That one guy changed the course of David's life. So you think about the people who you associate with most, your buddies, Maybe the buddies at work. Maybe, maybe you know, you're in that season of life where your kids are on sports teams and you're the, you're the parent who's being the shuttle bus going to all the different things. And, and because of that, you're hanging with all the other parents. Maybe you're still in school and it, you're thinking, oh, you know, I got these buddies in my math class. I got these people who sit next to me. Let me ask you this. When you think of the connections that you have, do they make you better? Are they changing the trajectory of your life in the right way? Are those relationships bringing you closer to God? Are they making your marriage better if you're married? Are they making you a better parent? Are they making you um, make better financial decisions? Do you have connections in your life that are doing that? It's so funny. I had this verse at the beginning of the week that I wanted to use for today, and I have literally now had it come across my desk or across the screen of my phone four times this week. It was even mentioned in our group this week. One of the people mentioned it in our group this week when we were discussing last week's message, and that's Proverbs 27:17. Crucial verse. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. It can also be the opposite, like we said. But if you want to get better, that's what people do with each other. That's one of the reasons why small groups are so good. Because people sharpen each other. It's not like 
this person's better than this person, but when they get together and they have God there with them, they can make each other better. So everybody needs a Samuel, a friend in your life who makes you better. The second friend that uh, you need in your life, like David, is Jonathan. Everybody needs a Jonathan, a friend who helps you find spiritual strength. A friend who helps you find spiritual strength. So fast forward a little bit in David's story. He is now anointed the next king. And so he's in charge. He's a war hero. Um, it, in fact, they, they sang songs about him. Now Saul is still hanging around. He's not letting go of being king. And the people started singing songs about David because he was such an amazing hero because God's spirit was on it. Their songs would say, Saul has slain his thousands. And Saul would go, whoa. But the song continued, and David his ten thousands. Saul did not like that. Saul is overwhelmed, King Saul, overwhelmed with jealousy, with hatred for David. And so he spends all this time now, instead of doing what he should, he's pursuing David, trying to kill him. In, second, in 1 Samuel 23, starting in verse 15, it says this, While David was at Horish in the desert of Ziph, he learned that Saul had come out to take his life, one of many times. And Saul's, this is interesting, it's Saul's very son, King Saul's son, Jonathan, goes out to David at Horish. And here's what Jonathan did. He helped him find his strength in God. He helped him find his strength in God. You need a friend who helps you find spiritual strength. They became very close friends. It's, they loved each other. And this one guy kept David from just running and hiding and never being seen again. He helped him find his spiritual strength because you, you know this. You need to hear it often, even those closest to God. Sometimes mostly those closest to God experience temptations. They experience discouragements in their life. You need a person like Jonathan in your life that when you're down, they lift you up. You don't need somebody telling you you're down more. You know that. You need someone who's going to lift you up. When you're alone, and maybe you're alone in a whole room full of people, but you're alone, you need someone who comforts you, who can come alongside you and encourage you, maybe just the right verse of Scripture at the right time. They don't even know the impact they're having on you, but they say it because that's what God tells them to do. You need somebody who will not just pray for you, but pray with you. Someone to encourage you and help you find your strength in God. So my question is, do you have that? Do you have that kind of person in your life? And just as important a question is, are you that for somebody? Are you that person who would come along when things aren't good and encourage them? If not, then today you're only one friend away from changing your destiny. Because that one friend can help you get better. That one friend can help you find your spiritual strength when things are going the wrong direction. Here's a third type of friend everybody needs. They need a friend like Nathan. This is the one that nobody wants. But Nathan is a friend who tells you the truth. You know the truth will set you free. That's what the Bible says. You also know that before the truth sets you free, it will make you very miserable. That's what it does. David, in his biggest 
stumble ever was where he shouldn't be. He was back at home instead of out with his troops. And he's out there on the rooftop looking down, and there's Bathsheba, really pleasant to look at. And he sees Bathsheba, and he wants her. She's married. She ain't his. He shouldn't be looking. But he does the the deed with Bathsheba. Her husband, he's trying to cover this when he finds out Bathsheba's pregnant. He tries to cover it. And her husband um, is is a a man of integrity. But David has to remedy remedy this situation. So he tells the captain of the guard to put Bathsheba's husband at the front line. So when the battle gets heavy, they can pull back a little bit. And he'll be gone out of David's life. And so that's what he did. That's what King David, the man after God's own heart, did. So we come to Nathan. Nathan comes to David and he says, I'd like to tell you a story. David says, fine, tell me a story. He said, there were, in this town, there was, there was two guys and one was really, really, really rich. And one was really, really, really poor. The rich guy had more sheep and cattle than he could count. And the poor guy, he had little family and saved and scrimped and did everything he could, sold stuff so that he could have enough money to buy one little lamb. That's all he had. And he loved this lamb. It was like one of his kids. He, it would literally eat at the table with them. Sleep in his arms, which is weird. I've never had a lamb, but that's the picture that they give there. And in this story that Nathan's telling David, he said, but one day a visitor came to town, and the visitor needed impressed, and so he was going to eat with the rich guy. The rich guy did not want to mess with any of the things he had. He went and took the little lamb from the poor guy who had one little thing and took it and killed it, and that's what he fed the visitor with. David's furious. And he says, who is that? Where is that? We're going to take care of that. That kind of person deserves to die. He needs to pay back four times what he took. Where is this guy? And David's all mad. And in 2 Samuel 12, 7, then Nathan said to David, you are the man. That's what you did to Bathsheba's husband. David, he was king. Nathan, this was dangerous for Nathan to tell this to the king because, you know, it's like off with your head kind of thing. David saw the truth, realized what he had done, and he repented. In fact, we have that repentance recorded for all time in Psalm 51. In Psalm 51, it's David realizing what he had done and crying out before God and saying, "I, I see what I've done. I'm sorry. I repent. And it changed the course of his life. It changed the course of the way he did things. Because he had that one friend who was willing to tell him the truth, even though it was dangerous, even though it could have cost their relationship, he knew that he needed to tell him the truth. See, we have friends in our life who tell us all kinds of things. Unfortunately, we usually have the friends who tell us, go ahead and jump, you know, even though it might end up in a hospital. It'll be fun to watch and I'll video it. It'll all be good, you know. Here's, here's what the truth is. The higher you rise in your situation, the higher you rise, the harder it is to get people to tell you the truth. 
they want you to like them. So they're not going to tell you the truth. We need to understand that we need people in our lives who will tell us the things that we don't want to hear. Because we all have blind spots. We all have things in our life that we don't see. And we need somebody to tell us that. And even if our first reaction is, well, it's not me, we realize eventually, yeah, that is me. And if they wouldn't have told me that, I wouldn't have known that. We need people like that in our lives. Here's what Proverbs 27 says. An open rebuke, that means correcting your friend. An open rebuke is better than hidden love. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. You have to have that type of person in your life who will tell you the truth. I think there's too many people here listening to this who are suffering from relational poverty. You might have people around you, but you don't have those friends that you need. Think about your current friends. Remember, we always need to have people in our circle who, who, who need Jesus. We need to be living and sharing and being that type of person with people who need Jesus. But if all of your friends, if every one of your friends is going the wrong direction, I can tell you what direction you're going to go. All of your friends are addicted or divorced or arrested, you have people in your life and you don't even recognize things are going south because it's just like, it's like same old, same old. It's all you know. You don't see that there could be so much more. And the truth is today, you are one friendship away from a better marriage by having the right people in your life. One friendship away from overcoming that addiction by having maybe just that one friend in your life that, that brings you closer to God, that speaks the truth to you. One friendship away from getting out of some of that depression that you're going through. One friendship away from maybe just getting in better shape. One friendship away from being a stronger leader. Some of you here today are one friendship away from meeting Jesus for the first time. Because you need to have that person come into your life to say, you know, you have a lot, but you know what you're missing? You're missing the most important thing. And that's a relationship with Jesus. So I don't know which one of those things or how many of those you're missing in your life, but David became the man he was, the man after God's own heart, because he had people in his life who would speak that into him, the friend that makes him better, the friend that helps him find spiritual strength, to find his strength in God, the friend who tells him the truth. That's what we need in our life. Some of you here, you need that, but you don't have that first friendship that we talked about, the friendship with God through Jesus. That's where it starts. I'd like to ask you to bow your heads as we close. I know, Father, that there's people here, there's many who have already stepped across that line from unbelief to belief. They've claimed Jesus as Savior, they know that, that um, their eternal security, their eternal future is secure in you. They know that they have been forgiven from their past, that they can live today with meaning and purpose in life because of what Jesus did for them. I also know, Father, there's people listening to this that they have never met Jesus. They've never come into that relationship and experienced the, the freedom and the peace with God through Jesus. And my prayer would be today that in simple faith they would recognize that, yes, I'm, I'm separated from God. 
I, I understand that I have broken his rules. But I trust today for the first time that what Jesus did on the cross was for me. He paid for my sin on the cross. And that today they could turn from that sin, they could repent of that, turn to Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life and become a child of God. To be able to not only have the correct friends in their life, but to be the correct friend for somebody who needs them. I ask, Father, that we would all be able to have those people in our lives who would help us to be better. We know how important it is to have the right people in our lives. So, Father, we thank you, and we ask that whatever you're asking us to do today, our response to you would be yes. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stand for the closing. What a perfect song to close this on. Your connections are contagious. If you're, looking, if you're going to be looking for one of those types of friends that, that you're missing in your life, little caveat here. In your attempt to find the right friend, although it may be your time, it may not be theirs. That means if you go to someone and say, oh, I, you're going to be my friend who does this to me, don't be discouraged um, if those you want to add to your list can't be on it right now. Remember the, the Lego connections? We only have so many Lego connections. They might be full right now. So if you go to somebody and they say, I can't do that right now, don't go, just go find somebody else. Just keep looking. But remember this, Jesus is always available. If he's the one you're looking for, he's never going to say, could you hold on, I'm too busy for you right now. He'll never say that. If you've never personally met him, you can today. When we dismiss, you just make your way to that back corner room. Somebody will meet you there to pray with you. Remember, Proverbs 18 says, One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And that's what Jesus wants to be for you. So if you need somebody, find somebody. If you say, I'm not sure I need somebody right now, then be that person for somebody else. If God prompts you to do something, do it. I don't know if you heard this this week. One, one more thing and then I'll be done. This past week, you might have seen this in the news, there were some text messages that people, you know, texted to somebody in February on Valentine's Day. Those texts were delivered sometime between November 6th and 7th. There was a whole lot of people that's like, well, they didn't say anything to me. And they did, but it never came. I know there was one person who got a text message from their friend who had died in the meantime. How scary is that, you know, depending on what the message is. But there was a lot of undelivered messages that got delivered really late that didn't end well like they could have. So here's my advice to you. Be a timely friend. If God says do it, do it. If you're walking through Walmart and God says, go say hello to that person, you know what you should do? Go say hello to that person. It could change their destiny. Remember, if you haven't signed up for 101 but you really would like to go, See Julie, and we'll try to make that happen for today. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your love for us. Thank you that, Jesus, you are the friend who sticks closer than a brother. You'll never leave us or forsake us. And if there's anybody here who doesn't know you, my prayer would be that in simple faith they would turn to you today, that they would believe that what you said was true, they would receive Jesus as their Savior and become a child of the King today. Father, thank you for what you're doing in and through us here at this church. We love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you.